Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to delve back into elections. H.R. 1, that bill has already passed the House. The Democrats are working hard behind the scenes to find a vote or two that they need to pass it in the Senate. And uh, a lot of people aren't considering downstream what impact this law would have. Is it even possible to do some of the things uh, in the states that the law is going to mandate. And so today, uh, I'm lucky to have a really fantastic guest. He's been the Secretary of State of the great state of Tennessee, one of my favorite places to visit. Uh, since 2009, he's overseen every election in that state. He's grown voter turnout in that state. He's been able to keep a voter ID uh, going in that state. Uh, and what he really shows is, is having a safer election doesn't mean it can't be easier. They have an online registration system that's uh, gotten a lot of praise around the country. They didn't take any Zuckerberg bucks. I think only one of the counties in Tennessee took Zuckerberg bucks. They didn't need the private money, not because it might have not even gone for good things, but because they didn't want people to lose trust because one person had influence over the election referees, the neutral arbiters of elections. Uh, Secretary of State Trey Hargett's going to join us. A really great story about a state that has really effective elections. They work. They're growing their electorate. They've had record turnout. Uh, they have online uh, registration. That's easy. I think they just had over a million, their millionth customer online. They still have great turnout at the polls on election day, even during the pandemic. And I really want to pick Secretary Hargett's uh, a mind on how he's gotten all this done over the last 12 years since he's been in charge and what would happen if HR1, the Democrats' nationalization of the election system, were to become law. He has some really important things. In fact, one of the things I've heard him say, and I know we're going to draw him out today, is that some of the technologies and the capabilities that the law would mandate impose on local and state elections don't don't, doesn't even exist. The technology doesn't exist. The machines don't exist. We're going to impose something that we don't have uh, the capability to even deliver in some of these election states. Very interesting sentiments. Um, very straight talker. You're going to really enjoy him. I feel uh, like he uh, boils it down and he tries not to be partisan. He is a Republican, but I think he talks with all constituents, all voters in mind, not just for Republicans and conservatives. Great voice. We're going to have him on the show in just a few minutes. Now, before we get there, I always enjoy 
digging in on one or two of our investigative stories that we have at Just the News. We're always doing interesting stuff, and I'm I'm so proud of the team we have here: Susan Katz Keating and uh, Daniel Payne, and um, so many more. Uh, Sophie Mann, you can see her on the television show in the morning. She also does a lot of great writing, uh, but really uh, an important group of people. And some things are reported scoops, right? You know, when you go to the dig in, you're seeing exclusive documents, exclusive court filings, uh, video, audio, things that we might've fought to get under open records law or the Freedom of Information Act. Some scoops are intellectual, meaning we stepped back and in the midst of the fog of war and all the crosstalk and all the crossfire of politics, we missed a bigger point. I think this morning, Daniel Payne, my, my great colleague here at Just the News, had one of those, what I would call an intellectual scoop, something that we missed in our uh, midst. Uh, we missed in our midst. Say that three times fast, boy, that's hard. And that is that some of the main narratives that Donald Trump uh, put out there last year was panned, ridiculed, tortured by the media for saying them. Let's, let's just throw a couple of them out there. He said that the intelligence on the Russia uh, bounties, the story that Russia was paying bounties to, in, to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan was not true. It was based on bad intelligence. And the media said, no, 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 the New York Times, the Washington Post, he's being friendly to Putin again, Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, guess what? Joe Biden's team has affirmed uh, President Trump's uh, decision, his sentiments, his rationale, his explanation of the intelligence. Who goes back and punishes the news media for inflicting that bad story on us? This was a story on the front page of the New York Times. It was, quote unquote, matched by the Washington Post. Interesting, since it wasn't true, how did we get sources that matched it? But the uh, the bounties story is an example of another false reality created in American public by manipulative Democrats and, 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 and intelligence experts and uh, delivered, the payload delivered by the American news media Wrong again, but without much consequence. And let's, let's take another one. Last year, when the president and his advisors, like Peter Navarro and others, suggested that the virus may have come, uh, the coronavirus may have come from the Wuhan lab. Oh my God! There was uh, claims that he was being a, a Chinese, a China racist. That it was um, propaganda. That Facebook censored stories, including a whistleblower from China, they censored it. I remember because we wrote a story here and Facebook blocked the post for us. Well, guess what? Secretary of State Blinken and many others are beginning to make similar soundings that the question of the virus emanating from the, virus, uh, from the Wuhan virology lab is a very real and possible scenario, even though it was suppressed, even though Donald Trump and his team were mocked, tortured, blocked, censored, uh, in the public square, uh, once again, the media got something wrong. And then Joe Biden gets it right, and the media doesn't really go back and say, oh, man, we got that wrong. Sound familiar? Maybe like on Russia collusion, let's say. This pattern of false information becoming reality, false information becoming false reality, that if you repeat a lie long enough and it's enforced by social media and news media, it becomes truth even though it's not. And then only years and weeks or months later do we find out the truth. It's got to be fixed. We've got to stop it. There has to be accountability. The stories that we have reported are accurate at Just the News, and they've been inaccurate at places like the New York Times. We had a great author on last week who obliterated the history of the New York Times and its its commitment to accuracy. Uh, but 
uh, take a look at this great story by Daniel Payne. I really feel like it brings a lot to the table today. Now, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, the Secretary of State of Tennessee, Trey Hargett, he's been there since 2009. Great insights on running elections, what, got, what we got right and wrong in 2020, and what we got to get right in 2022, and what's wrong with the bill that we're all talking about, H.R. 1, that would federalize national elections right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. He's the 37th Secretary of State He's been of Tennessee. He's been serving since 2009. Trey Hargett is joining us. Trey, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, John. I'm excited about the opportunity to visit with you today. It is an honor to have you on. And so you've been a very eloquent voice over the last uh, few months as the Democrats have pursued H.R. 1, federalizing the elections, trying to uh, reground this conversation in the fact that our founding fathers intended the states to set the roles and that this is really a takeover. Uh, tell us what the reaction has been to your, to your efforts to, to counter this argument. Well, it just depends. And unfortunately, it feels like a lot of people are really just going and putting the Republican and Democrat jerseys on instead yeah. of really thinking about this from a state's rights versus the federal government perspective. And, and whenever you have people closer to the election's flame and involved in the administration of elections, we get it. We get what it means to have the federal government essentially push down to every state out there what it would look like to conduct elections based on one-size-fits-all legislation that H.R. 1 is. Yeah, that, that's really key, is that we're not a one-size-fits-all country, and yet that's what this legislation does. And I think one of the biggest things that you've raised concern about, and others, is the, uh, the fact that voter ID would be eviscerated. Talk about what that means to Tennessee. You've had a strong voter ID law for a long time. What, uh, what does this do uh, for Tennessee if this were to become federal law? Well, certainly, I mean, voter, photo voter ID is meant to protect Tennessee voters by ensuring that we can know exactly who a voter is when they come to vote. It's a, it's a way of protecting the integrity of the elections. H.R. 1, like you said, would eviscerate that. And, and so, you know, one of the things that gets missed out on is that I don't think Democrats or Republicans want their vote stolen from them. Nobody wants to have their vote canceled out by someone voting illegally. And photo voter ID is not a silver bullet. But it's one of many ways used to protect the integrity of elections. And so that's be one more way if we can't do photo, photo voter ID anymore. That's just one more way, one more chink in the armor against the protection of our, the integrity of our elections. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's funny, it wasn't that long ago when Democrats like Jimmy Carter, because he, he co-chaired a uh, 2005 commission, uh, argued that voter ID right. was the key to the future of uh, election integrity. And now all of a sudden Democrats run from that. Um, one of the things that is 
for those in the states like you who are fighting to preserve the integrity systems you've already put in place uh, is the fact that most voters actually support voter ID. They don't think it's uh, heinous or, or burdensome, and, and they certainly don't equate it to Jim Crow 2.0 like our president did. How much uh, uh, does the fact that you know the majority of Americans in the country support voter ID strengthen your hand as you try to fight this? You know, honestly, I mean, any, depending on the polling you look at, I've seen anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of people support photo ID. And of course, yeah. Tennessee is a red state, but I can cherry, guarantee you it's not 75 percent red. And, and so, you know, we've had this experience with photo ID that people accept it. And, and we don't find people that don't go vote because photo ID. But in fact, whenever we find someone who says, hey, I'm an eligible voter, I want to register to vote, and I don't have access to a photo ID, we do everything possible to try and help them intersect and be able to collect the, the free photo ID that Tennessee law guarantees them. Because even they understand the integrity of the elections matter and we want them to be disenfranchised by someone voting illegally. Yeah, that, that really is the key. Your, your vote can be erased by someone else who cheats, and that, that's what we, we don't want, uh, and that's why it makes it so popular. Now, HR1 does a lot of other things that I think concern you. Uh, ballot harvesting is one of them. Uh, how concerned are you about the practice of ballot harvesting where it already exists in the states? Well, I'm incredibly concerned about ballot harvesting. In Tennessee, we have a law that says you're responsible for your own ballot. So you have to mail your ballot back in to the election commission and has to be there by close of polls on election night. And we work very well with the United States Postal Service during the most recent election to make sure people understood the rules and, and how they could get their ballot um, properly postmarked and back to the election commission on right. time. But that means you're responsible for your own ballot. And so to me, there's two concerns. Number one is you don't want people being able to counterfeit ballots and be able to drop them in some unsecured drop box. But also, you want to be careful who you hand your ballot to, because what we saw in North Carolina, and by the way, it's not a partisan issue. I mean, to me, Republicans and Democrats both ought to be concerned about this. We saw this in North Carolina, where you have a Republican congressional right. campaign who was collecting ballots for, from people they believe were not going to vote for their candidate and they, in turn, did not either change those ballots or didn't turn those in. So to me, that's one of the really scary things is how someone could take a ballot that they believe was not intended for their candidate. And, Just not file it, right? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to give you air quotes right now. That doesn't really work on audio. Is, <laughs> um, how can they lose that ballot or just never get turned in. And the real victim there is the trusting person who turned the ballot over to somebody else thinking they were casting their vote. Yeah, no, that really is. That's uh, actually kind you of know, frightening. And, you know, and furthermore, you know, real concern that I have here, you know, that could lead to ballot harvesting is the massive mailing out of unsolicited ballots. You know, we've all seen the stories of Patterson, New Jersey, but we right. know that they, they happen nationally. Um, I even had one congressman who told me about at the condo where they live that there were all these ballots just lying out by the, the joint mailboxes, that, you know, people who have moved away. And they're just waiting for some narrative well to pick them up, send those in, and hope, you know, that if they were to sign it, that they, they'll never get caught, that the signature verification uh, matches wouldn't catch them. That's another opportunity for voter fraud. So we have to be concerned about the massive mailing out of ballots as well. Yeah, no, it's a, that's one that's been on a lot of radars. Like you mentioned, Patterson, New Jersey, literally had to redo the election because there was so much cheating. Really, really remarkable and numbing to think that. 
you, I've seen you talk, and one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes you compare what they're trying to do to the election system now to what happened with the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare Act, nationalizing then the one-size-fit-all. Really, we have recent history showing it didn't work that well. State exchanges failed. Things didn't work. Do you think that Republicans at the national level, those who have the bullhorn nationwide, are using the right arguments to to resist this? If, you were, if you're advising them, you're, you're doing a great job advising your constituency and your state, but what are some of the messaging that, that Republicans and uh, those who oppose this law should be using to sell this to the American public? Well, I think they've done a great job. And I tell you, Senator Haggerty from Tennessee, Senator right. Blunt uh, from Missouri um, ha- have both been fantastic advocates of our position on HR1 and S1. You know, frankly, though, we're drowned out by the national narrative. I mean, that's one of the really frustrating things is we feel like we're making our points whenever we're able to get our message out unfiltered to Tennesseans and nationally that, you know, everyday Americans get it. But the, the real issue there is if you're watching broadcast television or cable TV news, you know, it is so slanted one way, and, and not to mention what you see generally on social media and other digital media, is how our message gets drowned out many times. And that's why I'm so passionate about trying to make sure we use the channels that we can to talk about this issue every opportunity we get. And we appreciate you giving us the opportunity to discuss the importance of HR1 and S1 and defeating those to make sure that we protect states' ability to conduct elections like their people want them. Yeah, that's the key. Letting the people decide their fate in each state, and and you've been an artic, you know, really articulating that. You, one of the things that you've mentioned, and I want to get to a couple other things in HR one in a second, but one of the things you you mentioned as you is you've uh, opposed this and educated the public about this is that some of the ideas are just simply uh, impractical, right? They're actually going to make it more difficult for states to administer the election. Uh, describe how that works, how that would uh, make make your job and those in the election field uh, uh, more difficult because of the standards being set by Congress. Well, I'm just going to give you a couple of different examples. One, it, it, in some cases, it contemplates guidelines or equipment or machinery that isn't even certified or exists yet. You know, another one is it will take uh, by mail balloting that exists in states like Washington, where Secretary Wyman, who is absolutely outstanding, an outstanding advocate for election integrity and civic engagement. It it takes something that took her, you know, 15 to 20 years to build up to, and then is overnight going to expect that the rest of the states can flip a switch to be able to conduct massive by-mail balloting. And by the way, if you don't, um, we're going to make local and state election officials around the country um, civilly and criminally liable for not being able to pull that off. It's almost as if the system is designed to break so it will fall in on itself by federalizing these elections. Wow. And not unlike what happened with a lot of the healthcare exchanges in, in Obamacare, where they collapsed, uh, leaving a, a one-payer system in many, in many states. Well, and when's the last time, too, you ever talk to somebody, if you know somebody that signed up to win exchanges, that they said, yeah, that was a pretty easy yeah. experience. Yeah, that worked you know, nobody, really well. Nobody said that. <laughs> you never hear um, that. You know, and in fact, you know, in Tennessee, during the 2020 elections in the middle of the pandemic, we conducted an August primary and obviously a November general election had record turnout. And we saw Tennesseans really get out and, and cast their votes during our two weeks of early voting on election day. Right. You know, saw some increased absentee by mail balloting. And yet we did it in a very seamless fashion. And 94 out of our 95 counties were done by midnight on election night. Amazing. 
And meanwhile, cities like Detroit were counting for days afterwards. Yeah, you have to ask, how can Tennessee get it so right and so in, and so easy and others have such a hard time? Um, well, John, that's a great question. I see a key to what we did is, and it caused us some short-term pain, honestly, but we made a decision early on that we were going to develop a plan back the second week of March when things really first started breaking nationally regarding the pandemic. Right. The first thing I told our election officials is we need a detailed plan to think about every possible contingency. And practically every contingency we planned for happened at some point. No kidding. But the key is we decided that we were going to stick to Tennessee law, yeah. that we couldn't color outside the lines, that, that we had took an oath of office to the law and the Constitution of the state of Tennessee and our nation. And we weren't going to color outside that. And I think where you saw things happen in other states are either where election officials or, frankly, um, legislate, legislators or governors or attorney generals decided later on that, hey, the law, the, um, the law just isn't good enough for us right now. So we're going to go outside the law. Yeah. Just change it and use COVID as the excuse. That, that clearly. That, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. But you, you plan and you said almost all the contingencies that you planned for ended up happening, right? You had a. Um, that's really remarkable. Well, well, you know, you think about we had to plan for having, um, you know, election officials get COVID and have a replacement um, employees for them. We had to right. think about having places where people who had tested positive for COVID being able to go vote. We had to think about what if a place won't let us um, vote there because of a potential COVID outbreak. I mean, there's all kinds of things just that we had to think through. And, and some of these things happening, you're thinking, wow, we didn't actually think that would happen. Glad we planned for it. Yeah, but you still stayed within the law, which is remarkable, which proves that you can do it, right? Just changing the law. Actually, in this, in many cases, they didn't change the law because they didn't go to legislatures. They just simply evaded the law or uh, overruled the law. But it can be done with planning. That's that's really what Tennessee, I think, shows and what really impressed us when we were looking at what you accomplished in the state. Uh, you can stay within the law and you can still deal with something as big as a pandemic. Well, absolutely. And we were blessed. You know, one of the things that we, we had no control over was on election day and during the two weeks of early voting and leading up to the November election, we had weather. And honestly, if you if you ask me what my biggest concern was that I couldn't control, it was going to be what what if it's 40 degrees and raining across the state on election yeah. day? And what does that look like? And what if we'd had two weeks of bad weather? Right. That, that certainly would have that, that would have been much more difficult. But I'll tell you what, I'm so proud of Tennesseans of all political persuasions who came out and cast their vote. And like I said, in record numbers, even if we didn't have a single absentee vote during this last election, we still would have set a turnout record. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I want to turn to that in a second because one of the false narratives of the national media is that Republican states are trying to suppress the votes and your data completely blows that away. I want to get that in a second, but there's two other things, two other legacies of 2020 that I think tie into HR1 and, and S1 that I want to ask you about. One of them is the mobile uh, ballot boxes and the lack of security around them. I know you've been very concerned about them. Uh, those become the, the norm if, if these laws pass, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, and we look at a state like Wisconsin, where I understand they even have pop-up drop boxes. Right. Where, you know, they decided, well, hey, we think there's going to be a lot of people in this area on a certain day at this park. Um, we'll just go ahead and, and take our, our drop box over there to collect ballots. And, and chain of custody matters a great deal. And, and so I just think there's some level of permanence that people understand in the United States Postal Service and being able to go push the button or fill out their, their ballot and be able to cast their vote at the election site. So 
drop boxes certainly scare me and unsecured drop boxes scare me even more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, common sense Americans, they get, they know the problem. That's why we have secure ballot locations for the last century, because we know how important it is to secure your ballot and to give you the privacy and lack of interference that we've always enjoyed at the polls. Another one that kind of came in this election that we didn't see coming before is the Zuckerberg money, this $350 million that works its way through to local uh, and county election officials. And it comes with strings attached requirements for voter outreach in usually blue areas is what we found when we did the FOIA researches. Um, uh, How concerned are you about the intrusion of private money, not to the parties and candidates, which is allowed, but to the neutral referees that we're supposed to be calling the election uh, without any outside influence? Well, very concerned. In fact, there's a bill working its way to the Tennessee legislature right right now that would ban that type of um, private funding of election administration. And and can you imagine what would have happened during this last election if maybe a right-leaning billionaire had decided, you know, we need more, we need more opportunities for people to vote in my area, or maybe we think that, you know, the election administrator there will be paying a little more money for everything they're going through. We're just going to go ahead and stroke a check to uh, the Republican-leaning area. It's literally what happened, but just to the other party, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we're obviously very concerned that, a billionaire of whatever political persuasion could be able to put money into the political arena, not not on a candidate or party side, but into the actual administration of election. And let's be frank, perfectly legitimate things may have been done with that money, but it taints the overall yeah. election system by doing that and causes people to sow doubt. And, let, and let's face it, a lot of Americans, regardless if you're Democrat, Republican, Green, Constitution Party, Libertarian, Independent, whatever, believe there's too much money in politics as it is. And now we're going to tell our citizens that billionaires are not only going to fund the parties and the candidates, but they're going to fund the actual infrastructure of elections. I I just don't think that sits well with Democrats or Republicans. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think you used the right word, undermining. Even if it was used appropriately, it creates that distrust that we just don't want to have in something as important as our voting system. And well, They ask us, you know, we had the opportunity to apply for those dollars. And in Tennessee, we made a decision that, hey, we just don't think that really looks right. We held it up to the light and just decided that we really couldn't explain that to our fellow Tennesseans, regardless of what political persuasion you are. Right. And and made a decision that we were not going to apply for those funds and and discouraged our counties from applying those funds. And 94 out of 95 counties um, heeded that advice. No kidding. That's interesting. Wow. Well, we, you know, one of the problems with it is transparency. We have been filing FOIAs and lawsuits to try to force this information. It's taken us months to even just get a paper trail of who got it and how much they got and what did they have to do to get it. And I know transparency is one of those things that restore confidence, but the lack of transparency has only, only added to the muddle of, uh, of the Zuckerberg box. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'd like to go to the false narrative because your state is living proof and, and you know, you've supervised what every election since 2009 there, right? You've been in charge since 09 there. Sure. And to be clear, I mean, yeah. we have 95 County election administrators right. in our election commissions that are knocking out of the park and doing a great job yeah. day in and out of, day in and day out of running those elections. So yes, it's important to give them credit. Them. 
They work yeah, hard. As, as you've supervised it, you, it, one of the false narratives um, is that uh, Republican states are looking to suppress the vote, but you keep growing the vote. And talk about some of the things you've done to encourage civic engagement and, and voter growth, even as you've uh, maintained the security that Tennessee law requires. Well, since I came into office, we rolled out our online voter registration system, which last year, you know, hit its hit its immediate transaction of people either updated their at, updated their address or, in fact, registered to vote. We every, especially during big federal election years, we conduct voter registration drives on on college campuses. We didn't do it during the pandemic, but we we really are passionate about getting our younger Tennesseans engaged in the process and getting them properly registered to vote. Um, you know, in fact, and we don't just do it at, at some of the schools, we work at all the schools. I, I would venture to guess I've probably visited more HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, right. than any of my predecessors. Because I believe that when people get registered to vote and participate, Democrat or Republican, we as society win because it's people making their voice heard. So we've been passionate about that. We partner with the Tennessee, we partner with the Memphis Grizzlies, we partner with the Nashville Predators, they have been wonderful partners to us in helping get the Your Vote Matters campaign out because we have found that one of the things a lot of people think is their vote doesn't matter. And, That's and you're really right. true. That's I mean, a sentiment. You know, a problem. When, when, when you think about large numbers of voters, usually one vote is not going to make the difference in, in an election. But it could make the difference in a school board race. It could make the difference in a state house, state senate race. We had a congressional campaign here a few years ago decided by approximately 40 votes. Wow. So, I mean, in, in <laughs> fact, your, your vote does matter in getting those kind of messages out to people to understand that even if their vote isn't the tie-breaking vote, aren't you better off in making your voice heard instead of turning over the reins of power to someone who does go vote? Isn't that remarkable? And uh, just to the north and west of you, I believe Iowa just had a congressional race settled by six votes. So it does matter sometimes as you as you get. It absolutely does. That's, yeah, that's a great point uh, for you too. I mean, the the uh, as you look out at the future of voting, I mean, obviously the COVID nineteen pandemic changed people's expectations a little bit. Do you think we're going to continue to see more absentee ballots uh, or uh, more early voting than in, in prior years? And uh, what things are being done beyond voter ID, one of the most important things. Is signature matching an issue in Tennessee, or are you reliant totally on the voter ID? You know, we rely on signature matching and, you know, of course, the photo voter ID when people go to early vote or vote on election day. Right. And, and there's also a bill that's before our legislature right now that will call for watermarked paper ballots. But, so yeah, that's such an important thing. Ab- on these absentee ballots that are being mailed out, they'll have a, a watermark on them so they can't be counterfeited when there's and reproduced and then mailed back in. You know, one of the real concerns with absentee balloting is once those ballots get back into, if they were able to get back into legitimate ballots, and I shouldn't call it, an absentee ballot can be a legitimate ballot. I'm of course. Say that. Right, right, right. Uh, but once a ballot is um, verified and gets into the larger pool, once it's in there, um, if there's something illegitimate about it, you can't so the, the place to stop that is through signature verification. So you mentioned watermarks. Right. You, we, I mentioned that. You mentioned uh, signature verification. But I think what's going to happen is when when we are fully reopened, which, you know, we're gaining steam every day, I believe you're going to see more people want to go back and vote in person. Because the real key there is United States Postal Service will tell you that they have a 96, 97% successful delivery rate. Right. Which, that sounds really good if you're talking the weather, uh-huh. um, 
you know, it sounds really good. Not for votes. It usually gets you an A in practically any class that you want to take. But if you have one vote and you put it in the post office box and you think there's only a 97% chance it gets there, or you have the opportunity to go and cast your vote in person and believe it, you have a 100% chance of your vote getting counted, I think more and more Tennesseans and Americans are going to say, hey, I'm taking 100% route. Yeah. Why not? It's so much safer, and you just you avoid that uh, that uh, that doubt. Three percent is a lot. Three percent can swing an election. Uh, no a, question. Yeah, such a great such a great point. As you um, you obviously talk to a lot of your um, uh, colleagues in the other states, what is the most important message going into twenty twenty two for those who run elections, who supervise them, who work with the frontline election workers at the county levels? Um, what is the most important thing we need to get right in twenty twenty two? Well, I think we have to make sure that we follow our respective laws. And whatever we tell people the laws and the rules of the elections are, we have to follow them and not change in the middle of the game. You know, I want you to try and imagine that we're, we're playing a college football game and then mid-game, you know, the wind starts blowing really hard. It's blowing really hard for both teams, but we decide, well, that kicker, he made a really good effort and, you know, it hit the crossbar. We should at least give him a point or two for that. Yeah. Um, you know, you just can't do that. You don't move the goalpost in the middle of the game. You keep the rules and the laws consistent because that's what both sides, candidates and parties, plan on. And so I think that's the, one of the messages you're going to hear. But also, what I don't want Americans to get disenfranchised is they need to understand that there are a lot of committed election officials around our state, Republicans and Democrats, both parties who are working to make sure that every vote is counted once, no more, no less. And, and don't let a few irregularities that occurred during the, the last presidential election ever deter you from voting. In fact, I think it makes it that much more important that you go cast your vote. Yeah, such a great point. You know, I've had the pleasure. At, uh, I worked for AP for the Associated Press for a long time, and so we I, I help oversee their election counting operation for many years. And the folks who do this at the secretary of state level, all the way down to the county and city election clerks, and even the volunteers, that they, they all uh, have such a passion for just helping everyone vote, regardless of your political stripe or your background, and uh, and they really do care about the security of the election. Um, it, uh, the, the, the passion, but also the professionalism and the dedication is real. And this year, I know the, the entire system got a little bit of a black eye, but you're right. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to see, you know, literally tens of thousands of people working in unison every election uh, night to make us, uh, the democracy and the constitutional Republic we are. That's a really great point, sir. Really great point. That's well said, John. I, I didn't say any better myself. Well, you uh, it's uh, watching you in action has been really something to see. And I, I really appreciate this last thought as we head into an, uh, spring election season for some municipalities for all this year, the off election and then next year, congressional election. Uh, what is your prediction? Will we see continued voting to go up? I know you're a big advocate, just continuing to grow uh, uh, the, the voter base in America. Uh, do you think that people have leave 2020 with a bad taste in their mouth and don't want to vote more? Or do you think the, the trend towards increased voting will, will uh, continue? Well, that's a complex question, but I, I do believe there's a lot of people right now who are really concerned about whether or not they can go vote and, and have their, their vote counted. And I just want to tell them they need to go and cast their vote in every election and make their voice heard. Um, I do think that when you look at this year's elections, you look at municipal elections, they tend to have lower turnouts than other, elect, 
other federal and certainly presidential elections. Right. Let's not take a lower turnout from those elections and read something else into it. Uh, we got to make sure we're, we're comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges and comparing the appropriate turnout versus other elections. And, and I just also want to tell candidates, um, nothing inspires people to go vote more than either believing strongly in someone or believing against someone. And I just want to ask candidates, if you're out there campaigning, inspire people and give them reasons to go vote. And, um, and, and let's, let's rebuild this system and, and help rebuild trust. Yeah, such a good point. And the, the candidates can have such a big role in, in encouraging people to register and get out and vote, which we, we've seen. So, Secretary Hargett, we are so lucky to have had you on this show. We learned so much about H.R. Uh, 1 and what it does in the states and why why you're so ardently opposing it. And also just how, you know, a lot of times we don't get a chance to talk to the real election referees. When, when you hear your approach, I think it really gives people an enormous amount of confidence that our voting system is still the best in the world. Well, thank you, John. And you didn't get into the fact that one of the things they buried in this bill is public financing a congressional re-election campaign. Uh, good point. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, and, that's and not that's being talked about, that, but it's a big deal. Yeah. I and mean, they don't want to talk about it either. Yeah. I mean, you know, what they have buried in this bill is that a small dollar contribution and $200, which, by the way, $200, um, small in the world of politics, it's not small if I had $10, $20 bills in, in my wallet. That's right. Um, but $200 to be given to a congressional campaign would then turn around being matched by $1,200 in federal taxpayer dollars. Unreal. And, and, and that's just unbelievable. And John, I don't know if you, you're aware of this, and I'm being a little sarcastic. Actually, I'm not being a little sarcastic. Um, we're in debt. Yeah. And of all, the things <laughs> that we, of all the things we can think of that we want to spend taxpayer dollars on and all the needs we have in our country, yeah, more politics, it's amazing yeah. to me that Congress thinks that the go-to places, you know, Congressional re-election campaigns is on what's on the minds of, of taxpayers in our country. I just don't believe that to be true. Yeah, not when not when we're staring down twenty eight trillion in in debt, and uh, and I think yeah. this year alone we've probably spent over six or seven trillion, a record of, uh, in in American history by a mile. So I think that's a great point. So I forgot about that, but that is another reason that people need to scrutinize this so closely. Well, my future grandchildren shouldn't have to pay pay for today's congressional campaigns. That's a great, you're right. They have many other things they're going to be worried about in the future, no doubt. Well, sir, it's a, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you for taking so much time Thanks, to help John. us understand. And we'll, we'll try to get you back on the show. You guys are the front lines of not only election, but also opposing a, as a Republican some of the ideas in Washington that aren't so popular in the real, real America. So we've got to get you back on soon. Hey, I look forward to it. Thank you. Very good, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It's time to wrap up the podcast. Great stuff. A lot of things from Secretary of State. Trey Hargett from Tennessee that got me thinking, and I think they got you thinking, and I think about that. This bill, we've talked about it for a lot of other things, um, voter ID, mobile ballot boxes, but the funding of congressional candidates, do we really want more tax dollars going to the elections, to the political ads, all the things that we get tired of in the election? Great question to ask yourself. I didn't think about that until the Secretary of State mentioned it, but it's another reason, among the many that we've mentioned, that are uh, reasons to be concerned about the federalization of American elections by the bill known as H.R. 1 or S1, the Democrats' bill. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with some more great guests, more exclusive reporting. I have a funny feeling we're soon on the cusp of a new political ethics story. Uh, A couple of my colleagues and I are working on that hard today, and we also have a Hunter Biden new China story coming out later this week. Lots of work going on on the front lines of political ethics and original reporting, Freedom of Information Act, source reporting, just so you can get the news and make up your own mind. That's what we do here. Until then, until tomorrow, when we come back with another podcast, may God bless you and may God bless this great country, as he always has, the United States of America. We'll be back tomorrow. If you need a news fix in the meantime, go to justthenews.com. We got you covered 24-7.